0: Welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is a special episode. Normally we do our programs on Tuesday, but tonight we're doing a an extra episode this week. This is episode number 461. It's going to be a discussion on the topic of Calvinism. And as I have with me, guests who have been on the program before, Christopher Connor, uh, he's been on with us, and he is taking the position of being against Calvinism. Uh, and then we have Dan Beitzel as well, and he is obviously taking... Uh, the opposite position of Christopher uh, as a, a Calvinist, a Reformed Baptist, uh, which is the position of us here at G220 Radio. And so, Christopher, thanks for coming on. How you doing, brother?
1: I'm doing good, thank you.
2: And Dan, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, we're glad to have both you on. I thank you for taking your time here on a Friday night to uh, talk about this conversation. Christopher, you and I have many conversations or interactions back and forth. Uh, Christopher is very passionate about his position, uh, as is myself and Dan. And so what we want to do here tonight is have a a conversation, a gracious conversation between these two men. I'm just kind of opening it up for discussion, not not singling into, you know, maybe one of the the tool up. Uh, either total depravity, just kind of leaving it open to see where the conversation goes. We're going to allow these men to ask each other questions. uh, And we'll start with, with Christopher asking questions to, to Dan about Calvinism and just kind of let it go uh, and, and have a good interaction. I think between these two brothers and uh, see where it goes from there. So go ahead, Christopher, why don't you go ahead and give us um, your, one of your points for uh, being against Calvinism or, or something that, an objection you see, or a reason why you take the position that you do. Okay.
1: And before I do that, I just want to let, let the audience know that I, I, when you're when you're on Facebook and you're typing, things can seem to be as an attack or you're angry. So I just want to let everybody know that this is not. I'm not doing this to uh, from the, from a place of anger or or hate. I love these brothers. I consider them my brothers in Christ. It's just brothers discussing the scriptures, and uh, so, like, like, like our Brother Ricky said that it's a it's a peaceful <clears throat> debate. So I just want to make sure you don't don't get this, don't take the position that I'm being aggressive or angry or nothing like that. Because yeah, sometimes that can come across when you when you disagree. But basically, I have uh, four questions. now there's a a lot of like you said, there's a lot of areas you can go with the tulip and all that. But my main concern, and this is something that I've always said about Calvinism, and, and I don't say this meaning that, to mean that this is ju- the, uh, the the brothers in their, who are Calvinists, or sisters who are Calvinists, that I don't think, I'm not saying this to say that this is their intent or this is what they're trying to say, but I think uh, this is what Calvin the teaching of Calvinism does. One, it makes the gospel a secondary issue. Uh, and two, it uh, distorts the character of God. And I don't, and, I, and as I said, I say that I don't believe that's what these brothers believe, but I think the teaching itself uh, leads to that. As you know, and I'm sure there's some, because we will hear some disagreements about my side, but these are questions that I would just, I, I'm just going to throw these questions out. I'll, re, I'll say them again, ask them again, but this is basically but I want to I want to feed off of these questions. First question is, is it because and the reason I before I state this up, the reason I want to ask I'm asking the questions this way because I've been accused of misrepresenting Calvinism. And I may have, I may have, but I may not understand uh everything. So I'm asking these questions, hoping that I'm not uh misrepresenting and try to get a clear understanding of what is taught in Calvinism. Okay, so number one is, is it true that you guys believe the elect were literally individually chosen for salvation before the foundation of the world and that salvation is guaranteed at the point of election? Second question, do you believe the non-elect reprobate were also literally individually not chosen before the foundation of the world and is unable to change their fate? The third question is, is it true you believe the reason the elect are generated, are regenerated and believe is because they were chosen? And four, is it true you believe the reason the non-elect will spend an eternity in hell is because they were not chosen and are left to pay for their sins? And I'll, I'll re- read each one of those questions over if you need me to.
2: Well, that's good. Those are good questions. And um I appreciate the insight into those types of questions because I've heard far worse questions than that. Uh, and, you know, us reform folk, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. I can. Okay, us reform folk are very are very content with the Word of God, and uh, you know, we kind of have our, um, I guess, our go-to narrative is, as. You know, or or I don't want to say our proof text because it's not necessarily about proof texting. There's there's a much broader picture, but we've you know we've heard it all before, and it's usually coming from a from a um, kind of a point of con- strong contention with like you said a lot of anger and so mm-hmm. forth, and a lot of emotions, a lot of presuppositions that are man centered and emotionally driven that get hurled at us. So the fact that you know you've you've thought through some of these and they're actually biblically oriented questions is very encouraging and a good way for us to start <clears throat> so i can take them one at a time if you want me to just so therefore we can have a little bit of a discussion
1: okay so i'll, I'll just re- reiterate the first one for you sure This is is it true you believe the elect are literally individually chosen for salvation before the foundation of the world and that salvation is guaranteed at the point of election
2: Yes, there are. There is a particular people that has been chosen before the foundations of the world for salvation. Ephesians one is explicit in this. Jesus is the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world for a particular people. First uh, Corinthians chapter one makes that clear. That there are those called from both Jews and Gentiles onto salvation. Um, we see in Acts chapter 13, verses 48, that those who were appointed to salvation believe, uh, and on and on. So yeah, I, we would wholeheartedly uh, affirm the scripture that there are individuals who were predestined uh, unto salvation before the ages began.
1: Okay. Now, do you want, do you want to ask me questions back and forth, or should I just finish all four then? Then we. Do you...
2: Oh, we can just see your questions, and then okay. uh, then I'll ask a few as well. Maybe okay. Ricky can interject and kind of okay. navigate the conversation a little bit too.
0: Well, real okay. quick before we move on, I, I feel there was a, another part like towards the end of that question, right, because the way that that question was stated was with the implication that the elect are saved at the time of election. Is that is that Was that in your question, well, or did I just?
1: I wouldn't necessarily say I, uh, because of the uh, discussions i wouldn't necessarily use the word save but that that salvation is a guarantee right at that at it, that point it, it is point a guarantee
2: but yet we're still born um with the sin nature of our father adam romans chapter five so according to ephesians chapter two even the elect are dead in trespasses and sins and god makes them alive at the point in which he uh, gives them new birth and unites them to Jesus Christ. So there, there is still an effectual call. There still is a point of salvation for the elect. Okay. So they, okay. they were elect from eternity past, but in time, they're born again. They're united to Jesus Christ. They repent and believe.
1: Okay, okay. So, uh, so my second question is uh, concerning the non-elects. Is do you believe the non-elect, the reprobate, were also literally individually not chosen before the foundation of the world and is unable to change their fate.
2: It's a good question. Uh Romans nine says that the Lord passes over those prepared beforehand for destruction. So I think by inference of those being predestined unto salvation, there were most definitely those in whom the Lord had determined were going to perish under the wrath of God and hell. But yet it's still important to keep in mind that as Adam, or Adam as the federal head of mankind, man are born and conceived in it in iniquity. They receive a sin nature, and they carry on in a life of willful rebellion against God. So they can't come to Him because they won't to, won't come to Him. There's still a there's still a moral um, a moral aspect to this. So okay. that um in terms of the fact that that no one seeks after God. They hate God by nature and they carry on in a life of rebellion and would never come down.
1: Okay. All right, now third question is, is it true you believe the reason the elect are regenerated and believe is because they were chosen?
2: Yes, most definitely. Um, Let me read Ephesians, or sorry, First John, let me see here. It's first John 5, 1. He who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born again. Uh, we know that, in, for example, in Ephesians, um, or sorry, Philippians chapter 1 and Ephesians 1, that faith is a gift from God. Second Timothy 2, he grants repentance. So they, yes, the elect are given the graces to repent and believe. Okay. So they don't and the, believe and are born again because of because they're at a point of neutrality or they have the capacity or ability to repent and believe uh, in their in their fallen nature. But God gives them new birth, grants them repentance and faith.
1: Okay. And then my final question is: Is it true you believe the reason the non-elect will spend an eternity in hell is because they were not chosen and are left to pay for their sin? It's a good question. It's, it has to be both
2: and from our position. I mean, in the sovereign purposes of God, he certainly has determined those who would perish in hell under his wrath for eternity. But again, that's his, that's his secret will, or that's his ultimate sovereign decree concerning his creation. But what he has revealed to us is again, in our father, Adam, we're dead in trespasses and sins, and we perished under his wrath for the due condemnation for our sins so we stand before god when we die to give an account for our life that are that is going to be comprised of real sins real acts of transgression and rebellion against god that we will actually pay for in terms of um condemnation under god's just and holy wrath okay
1: so so far what i uh, my understanding of Calvinism is correct, and, and the answers that you gave me are pretty much the answers that I believe that you guys believe. And my only issue that I have, I should say, not my only issue, but my main issue is that in all those questions that I asked, um, the gospel was not the cause for either the the elect's salvation or the or the or the or the, or the rejection of the gospel was the cause for the, the non-elect's. Uh, condemnation. And I was wondering, maybe you can speak on that, and then I'll answer your questions.
2: Yeah. Oh, so you're asking me why, why the gospel didn't seem to be um, uh, at the forefront of any of that?
1: Right, because everything happened before the foundation of the world. And that's why I, I, I use the words literally, was literally chosen individually, was literally not chosen that before the foundation of the world, which means that the, the decision for this group to go to heaven and the decision for this group to go to hell was determined before Adam Adam's fall and Christ's re- redemption.
2: Well, the gospel is the means for God to accomplish his purposes in the glorification of ultimately of his son, according to Ephesians chapter one. So the gospel is the mechanism by which God draws his elect in, unto salvation for the sake of purchasing his son, a bride that would worship God and the lamb for all eternity. So ultimately, I mean, the scripture, the whole narrative of the word of God is about the sovereignty of God and the glory of God. It's all about God, uh, acting in time for the sake of his own glory. So the gospel is central and it's crucial. Uh, but ultimately God's glory is the, is the crux. It's the, the highest, um, point or um reasoning for god working out all of these things in general
1: okay i'll come back to my my next question about i don't want to hog all the time so <laughs> I may, may have
2: those were good questions i appreciate you thoroughly thinking through these things
1: yeah. thank you
2: all right ricky where do you want me to go from here
0: um, maybe either in, in some of the interaction that he's already brought forth in his questioning or maybe some questions you may have for for him.
2: Right, so just to piggyback off of <clears throat> your point of contention concerning the gospel as, mm-hmm. um, I guess, not at the forefront or as the central focus of the Reformed uh, message or Reformed theology, mm-hmm. um, what then would be, from your perspective, what would be the difference? I mean, what what would you see as correct interpretation of the scripture in terms of having the gospel as central? What's what do you find to be lacking in what what we've asserted to you?
1: Okay, because um, oh, I think the fourth question I asked uh, um, is true that you believe the reason the non-elect and, and I think. My issue is when I look at the scriptures, it's, and I believe in Romans 1.16, it says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, that mm-hmm. the gospel, the, the purpose of the gospel, and when, I, and when I look at the reason why we preach the gospel, that the, the gospel message itself, and I think, um, not saying that you guys do this, but I, I think even, even on both sides of the camp, um, we look at the gospel so, sometimes as a word and not the actions of Christ. And so I think that the actions of Christ, <clears throat> preaching about that, when Paul said, we, we preach Christ crucified, that those, that message itself is, is the message that was given to us to bring man to him. And, but when I look at the teachings of Calvinism and look at uh, particularly uh, maybe like in, in, uh, when the way total depravity is, is explained, that man, whether they're the elect or not elect, they don't have the ability to hear that gospel message and respond. So I, it seems to me that uh, from from the way it's taught Calvinism that the gospel has no power to prick the heart of man to lead them to Christ. That that heart has to be changed first. And if that's the case, what is the purpose of the gospel, mm. or what power does the gospel have?
2: I uh, okay. I think I'm I think I'm following with it, with what you're saying. Well, again, we would see it as The means by which God causes us to be born again, like first Peter chapter one, you were born again, uh, not by perishable seed, but by imperishable seed, the living and abiding word of God. So it is always the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nobody saved outside of the gospel of Christ. It's just that it's the difference is, is can men in their fallen condition truly repent and believe without god overriding their rebellion against him granting repentance and giving faith for them to believe in the gospel and so so be saved so mm-hmm. we the gospel the gospel is front and center for us it's just not um it's not the main point of the narrative of scripture. I mean, it, it is, but it isn't. I mean, the gospel is obviously central, but like I said, the backdrop, the, the I guess, the canopy, the the whole narrative of the word of God is God's glory. And the gospel is the way in which he, um, the way in which he communicates to sinners and to saints alike.
1: Right.
2: It's a right. means to accomplish his purposes. Right.
1: And and again, I, I think um, the word you used was, the, it was the, the I'm, I'm asking, you said the gospel was the means. Say, say that line again, so I'm trying to get, you said the gospel was the means? Yeah, or... it is. The
2: go- the gospel certainly is, is the means. I mean, there's one name given under heaven amongst men by which we can be saved. Acts chapter, what is that, Ricky? Acts chapter two or four. Uh, so, oh, so Jesus oh, is the 14, way well. X321. Yeah, X four. Yeah, four twelve, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, so it it is the means of reconciling fallen man to God. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him.
1: I, so I, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're fine. No, but I think that the, where I have my, my my issue with is that that the gospel itself. Mm-hmm. and that Okay. When, when you when we when when, um, when you guys preach uh, when you preach the gospel is it that you're preaching to find those who are the elect
2: because well, that's, a great, if, that's a great question <clears throat> um, I would see it like this I mean ultimately God has his elect amongst Lord willing amongst those whom we preach to I see it like this for example I, I got my Bible here okay first Corinthians chapter 1. Starting at verses twenty-two, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called—that's effectually called, called by God—both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So that's what our evangelism is. It's that we're putting out the gospel call to Jews who demand signs greeks who seek wisdom but from that same group god has those in whom he has called both jews and greeks to where christ then becomes the power of god to them so we believe that he that he actually has a particular people uh that he will that he will save so it's it's not us twisting arms it's not us trying to convince um it's not It's not that it's left up to us in order to coerce and persuade all these individuals, um, hoping that we have been persuasive enough, that we've been, uh, whatever it is, for them to be able to turn and believe in Christ for salvation. We actually believe that the gospel won't return void, that the word will go forth and accomplish its purposes of saving those whom God is determined to save.
1: Right, and, and, I, and I think that, that, that when you... I agree with you that the gospel is the means, but I think that when you say that the gospel is for this group, and then this group is conditioned to believe the gospel. You see, I think, I'm, I'm trying to hope you, hope you get my point, but by them being conditioned to believe it, the gospel itself, I, I, it's like it has no power, because if, they, if, they, if, the, if the individuals just heard the gospel, Nothing happens. So it's like God has to fix the individual first. And then the gospel becomes the means. And it is, it's is only for those who were selected to uh, believe that gospel. And so it seems as though that the, the, the primary means by which a person is brought to Christ is the, is the fact that they were elected.
2: Well, it's, it's both and. Uh, they, they come to Christ because they were the elect of God. But the gospel's power is in the fact that, again, God grants repentance and he gives faith. He takes somebody who hates God, is dead in sin, who won't come to God and isn't able to come to God, according to Romans 8.8. 8, and he gives them new life by way of the gospel, like we mentioned in First Peter chapter 1, that it's this imperishable seed of the word of God to where he turns the light switch on so to speak he he gives them regeneration simultaneous with receiving the gospel then they then they repent and believe so the gospel is effectual for salvation it's mighty and powerful and it's the only means by which anybody can be saved so it's taking a dead man and resurrecting them to spiritual life
1: so but it's not the gospel itself oh i'm sorry i'm sorry Okay, but, but it's not the gospel itself that actually changed or, or changed the person's heart. It's not the message itself. It's not the message that Christ died on the cross for your sins, was resurrected, and, and was buried and resurrected the third day. Just hearing that message isn't what causes the the, 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 reprobate, the, the heart of the, of the sinner, I won't say reprobate, so that's a different category, but the heart of the sinner to turn to God
2: no it's it's christ who does that christ unites his people to himself christ gives the gifts of repentance and faith christ justifies and gives us peace with god through faith so all of this is summed up in the work of christ
1: himself now i would agree with you that that repentance is granted i I struggled with that in the past but as i study i looked at um Acts, if you you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 17, and I want to read a passage to you here, um, starting at the 24th verse. Okay, go ahead, Acts 17,
2: 24.
1: Yes, sir, yes, sir. It says, God, and I'm reading from the New King James, so it may be a little different, I don't know. It says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the lord in the hope that they might grow for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as also some of our own poets have said for we are also his offspring therefore since we are the offspring of god we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone something shaped by art and man devising (laughs) truly these times of ignorance god overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance, and that's where the word assurance is is, is a guarantee or faith or pistis. Uh, He has given this assurance or faith of this to all by raising him from the dead. So I, I, I do believe that God grants faith through the gospel message. I don't believe that I don't see in Scripture where He gives faith in order to receive the gospel message. I think the faith comes through the Word, which it says in Romans chapter ten as well. And I think that that faith is given to everyone, so everyone has a, a, He He wants every man to repent, and he and uh, and and he wants all people to seek Him and perhaps grope for Him and find Him. So I, I don't see that. That's why I guess you. I step into my second issue is that, that 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 this message or that this salvation or that the sacrifice of Christ is limited to only a few people whereas in scripture I see it offered to all people well it's just
2: text such as what you're saying or, or kind of the point in which you're what you're bringing up is you have to reconcile all of all of that, or the fact that you see it more so as a universal call, which which it is a universal call, but you have to you have to reconcile that with the fact that, for example, in Romans chapter three, that no one seeks after God, no one does what is righteous in his sight. Romans eight, chapter, Romans eight, eight, where those who live according to the flesh cannot please God, that we are Ephesians 2, dead in trespasses and sins, we're haters of God. We can't come to Him, we have no ability. We're, we don't have any measure of faith in us whatsoever that would respond to the gospel. Like I said, it, you know, Philippians 1, Ephesians 1, it's something that is gifted to us. Faith is gifted to us. There's no scripture anywhere that talks about
1: faith being inherent within, within anybody whatsoever. Well, I, I would agree with you that faith is, 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 is gifted. But I think that the gift of faith comes through the preaching of the gospel. And then and, if, and according to, to the passage that was that was offered to the purpose of the, of god creating people the way he did and placing them on earth where he placed them was for the sole purpose to seek him so i do understand i do know that in romans 3 it says no one seeks after god but it never says no one has the ability to seek after god i think that i think it boils down to their choice um they're're they're choosing not to seek after god but it doesn't mean that they can't and, and, and that's and that's where it goes back to, the gospel message. This ha- there has to be, if the gospel has is the power of God until salvation, then that power, that gospel power, has to be able to do something. Um, I saw, I saw in other words, it, the the transformation of the heart has to come through the preaching of the gospel. Uh, and, and I see where what I see in Calvinism is that the transformation of the heart comes from. God's changing the heart or a miraculous work of God and changing the heart, and then the gospel is, is accepted. And that, and that it's like a disconnect from the gospel and its power. I do believe that the transformation, I do, we do believe that the transformation is of God. I'm not saying that that's something that we have power, I have power to save myself or <clears throat> is, you know, is something within me. I do believe that man is born in a depraved state. I do believe that we have evil, this evil in us, but I I believe that the that the that the reason we preach the gospel is in order to prick the heart with that message. I, and I think when when we say that the, the God has to choose people for salvation, and then change their heart, and then grant them repentance and faith before the gospel message is separating the gospel from any power to do anything to the to the heart of man.
2: So what is the difference then between what I'm saying and what you're saying? If you're saying that the gospel, when it's preached to an uh, to an unbeliever, accompanies with it the faith to believe. What's the difference, or is that not what you're saying?
1: Well, what, I th- what I'm saying is I-, I believe that I believe when the gospel is preached, every man, whether they are, are going to accept it or not, heart is pricked. But I believe that the man has a choice to at that point to say I'm going to follow God or I'm not going to follow God. That's why I believe in Romans 1, when it says in 1, 118, it says they're there without excuse. They have no excuse because it says what's what, what has been known of, of God is placed in them. And those people who who became depraved, they became depraved. They wasn't uh, uh reprobate. They they weren't they didn't start out that way. So it it points to a choice on their part. And it, it's 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 I think where the difference is, is for one, if if the non-elect heard the gospel, there's nothing about that word that could change them. Not because they have a a, a heart that can't receive it because according to Calvinism, that's the the elect as well. But the reason the non-elect can't change after hearing the gospel message is because they weren't chosen. And because of, because, of, because of the fact that they weren't chosen, they have no chance at all of, of hearing the gospel and believing it. And, and it's the same with the elect. But the only difference is these are people that you say God has chosen. So I'm going to make sure they believe. So then the, 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 the reason they believe is not based on any power from scripture. The reason they believe is based on what God has done so that they can believe
2: okay yeah i mean i i I hear what you're saying um i guess i'm failing to see how the god the power of the gospel well you know what i've got a bunch of questions here actually i've got like okay yeah yeah you want me to to ask questions ricky just to kind of press in on this a little bit yeah yeah go ahead all right and you said okay we got what a half hour or so
1: Yep. I hope I wouldn't take it too much time. I wouldn't. T- no, talk you're doing, too much. You're doing fine.
2: It's okay. good. It's good questions, and I appreciate your um, your ability to uh, you know remain calm. Ricky and I are used to getting you know. We've had. Oh yeah. Trust me Me too. <laughs> so um, maybe maybe in me asking some of these questions, can you can kind of be able to um, further explain you know your position a little more based upon what I'm going to ask you. Absolutely so my first question is from your position which do you say that you're just you're basically just a a synergist or an armenian what would you you know consider categorize yourself as
1: not an armenian i would say uh i was just uh traditionalist or or synergist as a word that's used i don't want to categorize myself that way but uh, I'll just say non- Calvinist
2: <laughs> right. Okay. So what what does regeneration accomplish in your perspective? If in fact, what I'm saying is true or or if from what the scripture says, as far as God granting repentance and giving faith, what what does regeneration accomplish for an individual if if um, they already have capacities to believe prior, to being born again prior to regeneration what does regeneration accomplish from your perspective whereas I, I just want to say briefly again for us we say every every spiritual blessing is given to us in, including being able to repent and believe so so from your perspective what is
1: granted to you in regeneration well, I, I believe that that regener- i believe that i think we i think we see regeneration and born again slightly different I uh, I think once a person is regenerated and born again, that person is saved based on Titus three is where it says in verse five, not it says, well, I started four. So, but when the kindness and the love of God, our savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy spirit. So I think that once you're regenerated, According to the text, you're saved. And I believe that regeneration is, 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 is born again, is, is the same thing. I think that it's through the word of God that that comes. If you look at uh, another passage in Ephesians chapter one, uh, I, I, I know I need a, a laptop or a phone to turn these pages fast. Ephesians 1 13, it gives an order. It says, In him also, uh, in him you also trusted after. You heard the word of truth so the trust came after you heard the word of truth uh the gospel of our salvation of our salvation whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit so 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 uh that the, the 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 trusting or the or the belief can't come before uh hearing the word of god and i think that is what's reiterated in romans chapter chapter 10 verse 14 as well where it says uh Uh, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things so the glad tidings of good things is brought through the preaching but they have not all obeyed the gospel for 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 isaiah says Lord, who has believed that report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God.
2: Okay, so my question is for you, from your perspective, when you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, whatever age that was and however you heard it, mm-hmm. you, in and of yourself, repent, repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. What then occurred in regeneration at that point? Or I think, you believe that you're born again at that point. You trust in Jesus and then new birth.
1: Right. But I, I, so I, then I, what I, happens at that, that point? I believe that, I believe for, for, for me that <clears throat> I start out as a sinner, as everyone else, that I hear that message of God's love, his grace towards me. And then that message in itself pricked my, pricked my heart. And then, I, then the only thing I did was believe what was taught to me about Christ. I accepted the message. I received the message. And and, and th- at that point, I was born again. Not before that. It, I, there's nothing to, to cause me to be born again before hearing the gospel message. The message, uh, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, is the message that saves. It's, it's through the message that we're saved. So it was through the message that we're born again. through the message that we regenerated. And Titus said that it, uh, that, I, that I just read that with regeneration comes out. that That's how we're saved, through regeneration. So because of that, because of that message, I'm saved. And I, and so what I believe... Ha- what, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm done.
2: So what happened when you were born again, is what I'm saying. As far as when you repented and believed, and then you were born again, what was accomplished in the new birth that you didn't already have prior to Uh, repentance and faith in christ
1: you mean as far as my internal man
2: yeah yeah all Uh, of it i mean it because it's because it's it's so radically different than the reform perspective as far as to say that god grants repentance and gives faith he takes you from dead dead to life whereas uh, the arminian perspective says that you have repentance and faith inherent within you or the capacity to repent and believe where we say that's given in regeneration so i'm just wondering I've never really heard it explained like what actually occurs in regeneration to somebody um, who repents and believes. Like, Real is it just the forgiveness of your sins? You know, what
1: happens? A change of heart, a change of mind, a change of thinking, uh, a, a trust in God. All that came through the message. I, I can't trust in Him. I, I couldn't trust in Christ uh, without knowing what He did for me. So that came through the message. Like, that's why Paul says we preach Christ crucified. There has to be power in what is preached, and I believe through that word, through that that message that He died for me, and that that I can trust Him. All those things came with that message for me. Now I do believe, uh, and I was asked before that why why do you believe? And then this, the next man sitting next to you may not believe, and and, and that I believe where I think we another area where we differ is that man has. The ability to choose God at that point, once they hear the gospel, um, I think the gospel that withdraws you, and then uh, you make a decision to either believe it or not believe it. Whereas I think Calvinism is teaching that we don't have the ability to make that decision, so God does it for you.
2: So what does it mean for you, for you or according to your um,
1: theological perspective to be dead in trespasses and sins? To be dead, it, I, I, I think I've heard it equated many times to physical death, but I don't think that that's a fair assessment. Physical death, there's 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 no life. There's nothing there. There's, 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 there's nothing, you, you, ha- you don't have the ability to hear, you don't have the ability to do anything. But I think when you're spiritually dead, there's something there to work with. You're alive. You're, you're There's something, you're, you have a mind, you have a, a, a conscience. So, when we preach the gospel, we're preaching to people that are dead. So the purpose of preaching that gospel to them is for that message itself to prick the heart. That's why it says in Romans that what is known about God is, is, in, is in us. He placed it there, and so then we have the we we have to determine once we hear the gospel message, um, do we are we going to accept it or are we going to reject it? But I do believe, uh, and I know that this is an area where we disagree, that man does have the ability to accept the gospel message in them right i don't believe that being dead means that you don't have you don't have the ability that's what i'm saying so then in ephesians chapter two when paul says that and
2: he says but god made you alive are you saying then that you're dead you believed the gospel and then god made you alive based upon your believing the gospel I, i believe
1: that life comes through the preaching of the word in fact, I think if, it's, if um, I don't know if Hebrews use those words, uh, but when and that's why uh, the passage in Hebrews 4, where it talks about the word of God and how powerful it is. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of, of the soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The gospel does that. That's the word of God. That so that word actually has power to transform the individual. Now I believe I believe every man's heart is pricked, or every man is drawn, as it says in John uh, twelve thirty two. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men by His lifting, by His by His sacrifice. But some people reject it, and some people accept it. That way, so no then, one is has an excuse.
2: So then. Romans 8, chap- uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 8, those who live according to the flesh cannot please God, right. but yet you say you're, you have the ability to repent and believe prior to regeneration. I mean, yes. isn't repentance and faith something that's pleasing to God?
1: Yes, it is, but I don't believe that Acts I mean, Romans, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8 is dealing with uh, the gospel message, nor is it speaking to uh, uh uh unsaved people i believe that message is dealing with the, the walk of a saved person and 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 i use i used i use our uh, first corinthians chapter chapter two chapter two verse 14 to prove that because what is what is what is often understood by those passages that if you're if you use the words uh uh, well, I'll read the passage and I can explain it better. First um, Corinthians chapter two, and this is a passage that's often used by, by, by Calvin. It says, the, by the natural man, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for, he, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. If you stop right there, it, it seems as though it is talking about an unsaved person who cannot understand anything about God. But we have to move that three because there were no chapters. It says, and I, brethren, so he's talking to saved people, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and, and not with solid food for until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. So he was talking to the same people and he said that he used the same terminology that you were not able to receive it. They had already accepted the gospel. They were brethren. So it had to be something else that he was talking about um, that they couldn't receive. And, and I think this is pointing to their walk more so than actually accepting the gospel message.
2: So you're saying the natural man in that chapter in Romans actually is referring to saved Christians where Paul is just talking about this that the, they are acting as if they are the natural man by their disobedience.
1: Yes, their their walk was was at, their, their walk was was that of the the, uh, the unsaved. And he was telling them that you are not that person. That you shouldn't be walking this way. So it's, it's, not, it's not saying that, that 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 the unsaved can't understand the gospel message. The gospel message is what we're called to preach to the unsaved. So what it's saying is that it was it's dealing with how they were walking as saved people. And they were they were they were they were outside of their, they weren't, even though they were supposed to be spiritually led by uh, or should say led by the spirit, they were they were more or less being led by their flesh.
2: I still don't understand how that negates the fact that Paul does say that the natural man can't accept the can't accept the things of the spirit. I mean, that's, you know, even if he's trying even if he's applying that to saved people and say as to say, look, you act as if you're walking like a natural man, he still says that the natural man can't accept the things of God. So you're saying then therefore in light of my question with, of Romans chapter 8, verses 8, that Paul is actually talking about Christians who, he says, those who live according to the flesh cannot please God.
1: Right, because they're living according to the flesh. That's why they can't please God. But it, it, as I, that, that's why I went to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, to show you that these people who were also brethren, who were saved, could not use the same terminology. And so what I'm saying is that this not the, the, the thing that they could not accept was not the gospel message, but it was it was a different it was other things. Maybe uh, it, didn't, it didn't really elaborate on what things. In fact, I think it does. If you go to First Corinthians chapter three and it says, "And I and I brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you," Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So he actually gave an example of what they were doing. And those things were pertaining to their walk, not necessarily uh, them accepting the gospel message, accepting or believing that Jesus Christ. I I
2: understand your point, but I'm talking about Romans chapter eight, verses eight, where the apostle Paul then right after verses eight and verses nine says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So the whole contrast, it's a comparison and contrast in Romans chapter 8 about those who are in the flesh and those who are in the Spirit. If you live according Absolutely. to the flesh, you will die.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
2: I agree and, with and, that. I agree with that. So wow. right, just to tie, to tie it in, I guess, kind of to the whole, just the the question I was asking was that you, you believe that Inherent within man, or in their natural state, and their and the natural man can repent and believe, whereas Paul says they can't. They can do nothing that's pleasing to God, but certainly repentance and faith are pleasing to God.
1: Yes, correct. I, I, but see, I, I believe with that I, as again that was talking about. I, I don't believe that passage is dealing with not accepting the gospel. I believe that passage is dealing with how they were walking and. and how, their behavior the behavior of those people in they were he was obviously talking to christians in that time that, that the book of romans that chapter was not to unsaved people he was talking to saved people saved individuals so when he was telling those saved individuals that your walk is carnal is you you're, you're acting like as if you don't have the spirit when you do and that you ought not walk this way but is not saying that an unsaved person can't hear the gospel and accept it. The purpose for preaching the gospel is to bring people to Christ. If that's the means, then that's how they're brought to Christ. All right, so then
2: just to go on with some other questions here, mm-hmm. um, what is your interpretation of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, like I had mentioned to you starting at verses 22, where Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jew, folly to the Gentile, but to those who are called. So same group, mm-hmm. Jew, Gentile. Then there's those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. So what, to you, in your interpretation, is actually occurring in that, in that situation? We've got Jews. We've got Greeks. The gospel message is being proclaimed to both groups. hmm and it's a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who are called. But they're all called in a general sense. So there's this specific call that then Christ becomes the power of God to them. And I believe that call is the same call we see in Romans chapter 8, verses 30, that those who were predestined were called. He also justified, and then he also glorified. So I'm just curious what your perspective is on those – on First Corinthians 22.
1: I believe I'm sorry, okay I believe when the word called is used, the, that word is used in reference to people who already believe. So when it says but those who are called, it's not saying that those who are going to be called to salvation. I believe this is this is to people who believe, basically. is what it's saying. to, to, to those who believe we see we get the message in other words it says, where is, where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the, the, the uh, disputer of, the, of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So the ones who believe can't come before you're saved. In other words, you can't be saved. I'm sorry. You can't be saved before you believe. So the salvation comes to those who believe. You see what I'm saying? Well, but But this text says that Jews demand signs,
2: Greeks seek wisdom, we preach Christ crucified. So Christians preach Christ, Paul preaches Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But then again, Mm -hmm. those who are called. So you're defining called as something, it says both Jews and Greeks, the same category, Christ then becomes the power of God to those who are called from that from those two groups and you're saying you're saying what exactly in reference to that
1: that when they're those that are called in other words the the, the, the passage isn't saying that the, the they're called to salvation is that, is that I think that's how you're referencing it that when it says to, but to those who are called you are saying those who are the elect is that what right you're those
2: who are effectually called those in whom God actually, uh appoints to salvation from those two groups because it's foolishness and it's a stumbling block but then there's to those who are being called from those same two groups who are rejecting the gospel there is this these called out ones these ones who are called that then right. the gospel becomes or rather christ is the power of god and the wisdom of god
1: it, but it says okay in verse, starting in verse 24 you said but those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise the wise and the God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame, the things which are, which are mighty. And I believe that the word called here is not talking about people who are called to salvation. I believe the call are to those who are already saved. The the, the text doesn't lend, it doesn't says anywhere that they're called that that, that the called are unsaved people that are called to, to salvation. The called are called believers. Okay, They're they're already believers.
2: But it doesn't say they're already believers. It says that the gospel is preached, and it's a stumbling block to Jews, and then it's also foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks. So dealing with the same categories of people who think it's a stumbling block and foolishness, Christ. So that's those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. So what – so what occurs, I mean, what what is going on in this text as far as the fact that there is a there are those who are called both from these categories that then all of a sudden Christ is the power of God.
1: I believe that that from both of those categories that there are uh, uh, those that are saved. What, what I'm saying the text isn't saying is that they were called to that salvation. They were the, the called lends to a, a service. It doesn't lend to salvation. And there's no and there's nobody in scripture that is called to salvation everybody's saved the same way they're saved through christ so what, what it's doing is it's calling them it's saying that those who are called not saying that they are called to salvation it's saying they're those who are called because they are saved hmm. the text That's never correct. says the text never says that they are called to salvation that was added to the text <laughs> Well, I'm, gonna jump,
0: I'm gonna jump in real quick just to got, let you Go guys ahead. know we're at uh, mm-hmm. l- just under five minutes left in the program so if you guys okay. want to kind of try to wrap okay. wrap up your finishing thoughts here uh in, sure. in, in the dialogue
2: all right man let me wrap it let me rapid fire hit you with some questions is that okay. all right <laughs> yeah that's all part. right um <clears throat> that's a very interesting i've never heard such a thing uh by the way uh, concerning that text um I think the text says the complete opposite of that, but you know we're just going to have to ad- agree to disagree on that. Yeah. Um, because I do believe that it's it's foolishness and a stumbling block to Jews and Greeks, but those who are called out of those same two groups, all of a sudden, the gospel is the power of God. But anyway, right. we can we can we can pass on that one. All right. Um, okay. wh- what does it mean? Okay, in Acts chapter thirteen verses 48 that as many were appointed to eternal life believe what does it mean I'm, to be appointed to eternal life great question and then uh, believe that's right. kind of that's kind of your big hang-up isn't it
1: no I mean, not really like that <laughs> actually uh i did a video on this text well what i what, yeah, I, what we right. have to do is go back to i would say go back to about the the 44th verse and it says on the next sabbath almost the whole city came together to hear the Word of God. So we know that these people are coming to hear God's Word. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed things, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. So we see that that the Word of God is offered and the the, the first group or players in this text are the Jews. And they opposed the Word of God. And because, of the, because they opposed the word of God, this happened. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, speaking to the Jews. But since you rejected and judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Turn to the Gentiles with what? That same word of God. So it says in verse 47, for so the Lord has commanded us, we have set you as light to the, to the Gentiles that you should be their salvation to the ends of the earth. So we see that their salvation, the the other group here is Gentiles. What we don't see is elect and non-elect. We see Jews and Gentiles. We see Jews rejecting God's word. And because of that, they judge themselves unworthy of, of everlasting life. And then we see the Gentiles. Now, when, when the Gentiles heard this, the same word of God, they were glad, and glorified the word of God of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And that's where we get our contention, because then that what was told to me is that that was saying that that was the elect group of people that was chosen for the foundational world for salvation. But that's not in the text. If we look at the context of the text, the the, the thing that, that 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 caused the the Jews to fail and caused the Gentiles to succeed was the word of God one rejected it the other accepted it so just as the Jews judged themselves to uh, to, uh, to uh, everlasting to to, uh, to lose everlasting life the Gentiles disposed themselves to everlasting life by believing that same word that's the context of the text what we but don't couldn't... see in the
2: but couldn't it be, my brother, the fact that the Jews rejected the gospel and the Gentiles believed and rejoiced is because in fact they were appointed to salvation and therefore believed. No, I mean, couldn't because, it just be plain in the
1: text? No, I think it is plain. I think I think it's I think we, we distort the text when we add all the things about the before the foundation of the world. Because there's no elect, there's no non-elect mention here, and there's no elect mentioned here. What we see is Jews. <clears throat> and Gentiles. And we okay. see that the word of God was to come to the Jews first. So right. they can't be the elect. I mean, I'm sorry, they can't be the non-elect. And it wasn't to the Gentiles. So what, what we have here is just the preaching of God's word, a group that rejected it and a group that accepted it. That's what does, what, it I, mean, what does it mean to be appointed to eternal life? I think they were appointed to eternal life the same way the Jews were opposed to it by rejecting the word of God and by accepting the word of God. And, and see, it, to, to say that they were appointed to eternal life before the foundation of the world by God is not in the text. We have to go by what's in the text. And what's in the text is the word of God was offered to one group, they rejected it, was offered to the next group, they accepted it. So you can't say that they were offered the word of God, and but despite that, and despite them accepting it, they were appointed to eternal life. They but were Christopher, appointed... why, why would the text not say then
2: the Jews rejected it and as the Gentiles accepted it those who believed were appointed to eternal life why does it say the opposite of that
1: that those who were appointed to eternal life comma believed because, because I think that you're giving the meaning appointed and when you hear the word appointed you're giving it a time frame you're it's given you're assuming that they were appointed before the foundation of the world. The text doesn't say that. You're assuming that God appointed them to that. The text doesn't say that. The what text, does the li- text say? The text shows you that by the, by, it, it, you have to go back to look at the Jews. If the, if the, if the Jews rejected it and judged, them, judged themselves unworthy because they rejected it, then why isn't it more understanding that when the Gentiles accepted it, they 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 uh appointed themselves to eternal life and believed
0: you see this is this is the the joy of theological discussions they can just keep going and going and going <laughs> uh, unfortunately uh, we are at our hour mark and um okay. <clears throat> so i want to respect you guys' time and uh you know maybe we can do this again maybe a part two um yeah. <clears throat> i appreciate the the graciousness and the dialogue um I know with so much stuff going on in the world, it's great to get together and talk about theology, open up the Bible. Even when there's differences, you can look at the scriptures and kind of uh, work through those passages. Um, And so hopefully those that have have listened tonight and and partake of this conversation uh, are able to see both sides of this and and maybe look at those scriptures that are brought up and and the, the things that were discussed. And May the Lord allow you to uh, come to a understanding of of truth in that. <clears throat> so I'm going to give you guys real quick, uh, thirty seconds. Any last thoughts, words? Uh, Dan, we'll start with.
2: Well, Christopher, thank you so much for your seriousness concerning the Word of God and your desire to press upon particular text and to do your best work in exegesis. Uh, even though obviously I think it's some of it's faulty, I think there still are presuppositions that are brought into the text nevertheless you were serious and concerned about the word of god and uh the the text being rightly divided divided um to the best of your ability you didn't just come at me with all kinds of well if i were god i would do this or how dare you you know how dare you say god does this and that it wasn't any uh any emoting in that way so i really highly very appreciate that because we don't get enough of that so thank you for that my brother
1: yeah, no problem. Yeah, I thank you. Uh, and, and I, I know, I, you know, coming into this, uh, this conversation that we probably wouldn't say, oh, you're right, you know, and, and agree with each other. But I do appreciate the conversation. I do appreciate the dialogue, as you said, peaceful dialogue for once, because you get so many people that are just arguing and throwing uh, accusations and all that. And despite our differences and despite our uh, disagreement, I still see you as my brother in Christ. And, we, and I still believe that when we get to heaven, we'll find out I'm right in the future. Amen.
0: <laughs> All right. That's been G220 Radio for tonight. Hope you enjoyed the program. Until next time, God bless.
1: God bless. All right, my dude. All right, thank you. Thank Okay. All right. Good.